Welcome to Lamestream here on the 440 Sports Network. My name is Braden Gall, and you can follow me on Twitter.com at Braden Gall or Blue Sky at Braden Gall if anyone's over there. Welcome to the show. Uh, my name is Steve Cavendish. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter or uh, Blue Sky or Instagram or wherever uh, at uh, Scavendish. If you like this show, the one you're listening to right now, uh, rate, review, subscribe. Uh, tell some, but most importantly, tell somebody that you know that you like Lamestream, and they should listen. They should be listening to it right now. Uh, is this our favorite episode of the year? I don't know. It's certainly. I, I, don't, I don't. I don't know if it's our favorite, but it is <laughs> certainly the one that amuses me the most. Yeah, yes, uh, absolutely. Uh, it is certainly the most self-absorbed. That is for sure. Holiday navel gazing. I believe this is part three, but I'm not even sure. We'll just call it part three. 2023 edition. The top ten episodes of 2023. Hope everybody had a wonderful and amazing and spectacular holiday, whatever it is you celebrate. Uh, we hope it was wonderful. Steve, you sound much better, by the way, big guy. Uh, Pax Lovett, very good thing. Uh, <laughs> it's a very, very good thing. I, I got me a good case of the COVID and uh, it cut it in, probably cut it, probably cut the time on it in half. I'm, I'm still, I'm still dealing with it a little bit here. I mean, the the feedback the the feedback in my own ears is still pretty bad but uh but but it's it is it is much better than i was a week ago and i'm at least an octave higher than i was the last time i sat behind a mic and this concludes the recommendations portion of the podcast which includes <laughs> which includes vaccines and uh high level prescription medications okay uh brought to you by big pharma <laughs> and jaspers the next evolution of the sports bar make sure you go over there Again, no need to stuck stockings, stuck stuff stockings anymore. Uh, easy for me to say. Uh, I, I, Steve, I'm just going to say that ca- Christmas is absolutely chaos at my house, and it was. I thought it was chaos with a two and a three year old, and a three and a four year old, and a five and a four year old. It is the energy levels are different when they are seven and five. It is absolutely insane. And we are recording this the day after Christmas, and uh, I am running on absolute fumes. So I apologize if I slip up numerous times today on the pod. Uh, go to Jasper's though, Steve. I got the Instagram reel uh, here the other day of the kid who went down and unwrapped every single person's uh, presents uh, and the parents came down because, and what happened was the kid went and tapped on their mom's uh, shoulder at 3am and said, Hey mom, I need some scissors. And, and she was like, why do you need some scissors? He's like, cause I can't get this open. I said, get what open and went downstairs and found that the kid had, unwrapped their presents their siblings presents their their parents <laughs> presents every present that was under a tree was now unwrapped and it was just uh, absolute chaos if, I, I, you, I, if you need to drink because of the holidays go to jasper's <laughs> <laughs> that's i don't know if i need to say anything else about jasper's i will say this and you already asked uh please give us a review and and give us a little five stars there we do appreciate it on spotify or apple Podcasts. Uh, we do really appreciate it. And of course, make sure you sign up for good journalism over at the NashvilleBanner.com. It's NashvilleBanner.com. There's not a V in there, but you know what I mean. NashvilleBanner.com. So go check that out. So holiday navel gazing 2023 edition. We're going to look at the top 10 most popular and listen to shows. A really interesting blend and mix of topics this year. Uh, quickly, last year, uh, not to boost his ego any further, but the top five episodes of 2022 uh, J.R. Lynn's exit interview was number five. Emily Proud, uh, her exit interview was number four. Apparently, we did a lot of exit interviews last year, Steve. Uh, Nate Rao, which was in October, uh, that was, I believe, when the Metro Council officially voted the Titan Stadium deal uh, in, or, or was as they were beginning to get proposals. That was Nate Rao, of course, 
at the time. And then Jared Stillman was number two. And Adam Vingan, who reminds us of this all the time, was number one. So I've got a, a couple of episodes here that stood out to me because three of them tied for 11th. And we're just a few listens off of getting into the top 10. But all three of them, I thought, were three of sort of my favorite conversations of the year, Steve. And you can kind of take this where you want to. But the tied, literally tied, exact same number of downloads and listens and streams, whatever you call it. Uh, the number of, tied for 11th, Ben Eagles, who, of course, was the senior advisor to Mayor John Cooper, who was making the case for the Titan Stadium as it was being uh, passed and debated by the Metro Council. Uh, Paul Feinbaum and the Paul Feinbaum Show, uh, kind enough to give us some of his time. And Steve Lehman from News Channel 5, who came on to discuss and break down, I think, just a couple of days after the live coverage of the DeMar Hamlin incident yep. that took place on ESPN. And that that's the one that really stood out to me was, was Steve Lehman's conversation about how to live produce um, that, that particular type of tragic situation. And of course, Steve, very thoughtful. I recommend that episode today. Great episode. The, um, the case for a stadium. And we, so we did, we did, we did a bunch of stadium episodes last year. Uh, um, the, the case against the stadium is, is, is higher on this list. You may take <laughs> from that what you will. Uh, but, um, the, but I thought the, I, I thought the layman episode two was, was really good. I mean, Steve's, Steve's just a smart guy. And, uh, yeah. I, I thought it was interesting him kind of talk, talking us through kind of the dynamics of live television and it, and it was, uh, it was a fun episode on, on a really serious subject. And, and, and Paul, I believe we had on, I want to say like a couple of weeks after all the ESPN layoffs too. So it was like, uh, very interesting talk to Paul, but always, a, you know, he's just such a, an interesting guy. Um, and how he figured out how to make, uh, you know, SEC fans hate each other for his his benefit. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> uh, so go listen to those. Ben Eagles did a great job, uh, of course, making the case for the Titan Stadium. We'll get to the other side of that equation uh, in just a second. But number 10 on our list, Steve, brought to you by Jaspers. Uh, John Glennon, Nashville's professional sports e uh, expert. This is a guy who uh, took a job at the scene in the post and is now covering all things across the board for both those companies. He's a guy with a soccer background. And he's just he's covered hockey for NHL.com and for all the different entities he's worked for in this market for a very long time. Uh, is he like entering Teresa Walker status of like the ability to well, basically speak intelligently about everything and co has covered everything on a professional level? Well, uh, what I would say is uh, what I would say is uh, Glennon Glennon has Glennon has range, uh, maybe as good a range as anybody. Uh, Glennon, Glennon is, is at his best when he, when you, um, when he gets a minute to, to do a feature kind of takeout, he's, he's a, he's a great feature writer. Uh, and the, the gig that he has for the post and then also with the scene, uh, gives him a chance to kind of touch on like a ton of different stuff. And so you don't always get to, you don't always get to do, uh, see big features from him, but you, you did get to see like several this year. Uh, he's just very, he's very, very good. I don't, you know, he's, he's not a hall of famer yet. So that's true. Uh, that's true. But, but, uh, so, so Teresa still has that, but, uh, but, uh, Glennon's, uh, Glennon is a very talented guy and I was glad to see him take that post gig. There are not many folks that can, that can run the gambit with the experiences that he has. And like, even like, and we're going to talk like, like we're going to talk about Joe Rexroad who can do a lot of those things now too, through, all of the different places he has to work and, and with the radio and the writing. Uh, and Teresa, of course, is on another planet. Go back and listen to her episode just a couple of weeks ago talking about how she's got to literally drive from one end of the state to the other. 
But there's not many people that have covered the Predators in their sort of original form, cover them today, have been at the on the Titans beat, and can talk about soccer as intelligently as he can. So uh, I think I think the lesson from that one is just the the breadth of knowledge is is critical to to trying to cover Nashville today, which was not the case in 1998. You didn't need and, to know and, anything about professional sports in 1998. And and in a in a market where there are fewer and fewer people here who have that kind. Of, Excuse me. That kind of depth of knowledge, uh, Glennon really kind of stands out uh, because because he because he has been in those locker rooms for such a long time, and because he has kind of the breadth of uh, yep. The, the, yep. You know, the the breadth of coverage. All right, number nine on the list. This was back in February. Met former mayor Megan Barry jumped on and explained the politics of building a stadium. Uh, this is, of course, right in the middle of as we were building up to, I think, what was going to be the vote. I, when was the exact vote, the final third reading vote for the Titan Stadium? Was it I want to say March, was it, was April? It was March, April kind of thing. Okay. Yeah. So Megan, of course, fascinating. Um, her own personal story is is fascinating through her rise to the mayor's office and, of course, her resignation. And, I mean, she got the the soccer stadium pushed through in a really interesting and fascinating way. There's some people that disagree with that. There's some people that love it. You know, there's many different sides of that equation to be on. But it it, to have somebody who is sort of the center point of what how Nashville SC became a thing in the first place, and then the politics of how to build that stadium with the context of the Titan Stadium happening behind that debate, I thought she offered a ton of insight from inside the walls of of you know what it was like to put all that together. The real question I have here is, is do you think, and, and you had done this interview with her by yourself, um, do you think that this was the interview that convinced her to run against Mark Green uh, for, for Congress? You, uh, obviously, I mean, um, obviously that's, that's true and is the case. Um, she did compliment me in that conversation saying that I should be in politics and I st- still have yet to get a call. So uh, I'm wondering if and when that's going to happen. Um Maybe congressional, congressional candidate Barry, anytime I'm available. But yeah. you know, the rates are pretty high. <laughs> so, <laughs> so uh, no, I, look, she's look. I, I am. I, I do want to ask you one thing about because I there's there's a particular writer in this city who does a brilliant job through Nashville history. I know you and I are friends and admirers of her work. Who has told me, you know, look, she wrote an op-ed for the scene about how she would never vote for Megan Barry ever again. And I'm curious to get your political opinion in general about, like, are are people ever allowed to have second chances? Are they, can you write about them? And this is one of those moments where two things can be true. Like, hey, this was a major mistake, but she's been rehabilitated and now has a right to fight for our vote again. Like, where do you stand on sort of the whole Megan Barry for, for Congress thing? Not to divert from sports media here for a second but well i, I do think uh I, she's been very out front uh about uh the mistakes that were made at the end of her at the end of her mayoral administration and and has tried to be very upfront about that you know that is a it is a trump plus i don't know 12 I, district or i think or it's something. r plus nine or r plus 10 something like that. yeah i mean it, it's it, it it's there's there's a built-in uh and uh, as a as as the coaches would say, there's a decided schematic advantage uh, for uh, for Mark Green in this district, and so I, district, it's going to be tough for her. It's district seven, by the way. So yeah, it's going to be very very tough. But I do, but I do think that she was smart to kind of put that out there and kind of deal with that initially because it's going to come up in attack ads and it's going to come yeah, up in yeah. 
it's going to come up for the next year. So and not, yeah, again, not to divert too far from what was a very interesting conversation, because again, part of what makes politics fascinating to me is if you are going to be sort of, and this is not necessarily how I would describe her, but like sort of a force and, and like a bullheaded, I'm going to get this accomplished, push things through, you know, drive, drive, drive type of person. That's how you end up with MLS coming to Nashville in a shorter period of time and building a stadium. Um, but also she, you know, like she has her own issues that she's talked through and been very open about. I, I don't think she has a chance to win the seventh district, but I think what's interesting is if you're going to have somebody trying to sell a message about the opioid crisis in smaller counties outside of Davidson, uh, or abortion rights and reproductive rights for women, Megan Barry, not a bad messenger for those two issues, considering the tragic death of her son. And of course, you know, she's a woman. <laughs> so, <laughs> so there's those two factors. If you would, uh, if you were considering a run for uh, office and uh, would like to announce your candidacy here on Lamestream, please, uh, please contact us here either via Twitter or Blue Sky or Instagram. How all great political campaigns get launched: sending a DM to a guy who hosts a podcast. Tremendous! That's that's fantastic. Also, I've got another podcast. I'll have you do that on. Um, so, uh, <laughs> number number eight on the list: Bob Mendez, the case against. A new Titan Stadium. Now, Ben Eagle's episode, the case for, and Bob Mendez, the case against, who was a, a, a an at-large city council member at the time, um, who voted against the Titan Stadium, largely about the same amount of interest in both, which I am interested in, but this one technically did get more listens. So I wonder if that was people curious about why I should be against the stadium rather than maybe... Uh, validating their previous opinions that they already were against the stadium. So, what do you what do you think? Uh, I I, th I just think I, I think Bob I think Mendez is just a is a is a really good kind of spokesperson for his cause. Um, not not that Ben's not, but they, uh, they both they both are very good at making their case. Both both very good at making their case. Uh, I, I I think that I think that Bob had uh, had kind of crystallized kind of like what the critique of the stadium was by that point. And, and I think, and I think, even by that point, knew that that they were not going to that they were not going to prevail, and, and but but had a, but had a sense of but had a sense of like trying to make this kind of broad case against either stadium funding or this deal right now, and and, and how it should be different. And so, it it felt like easy money, if that's a phrase that that works in this case for that particular vote like knowing that it's not going to pass like knowing that you're not going to stop the stadium vote from happening to be able to go out and then run a campaign off of for mayor for his yeah. his his now boss yeah. freddie o'connell uh running a campaign saying no 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 we we're, we're voting for more nashville less vegas less downtown development less entertainment stuff no no stadium subsidies etc even though knowing full well I, I would argue knowing full well that the reality of that vote was going to happen no matter what, and probably was best. For no, it was it was, it was great positioning. Yeah. It was it, it yep. was it was almost, you know, kind of uh, there there were there was there was no downside to taking the position right. for him. Right, yeah. exactly. Uh, number seven on the list: Ben Wright, proud non-traditional media, Broadway sports media, of course, uh, Speedway Soccer, uh, the podcast, the writer, and uh, look, I, I think this is there's the, these next two, and I'm going to lump. The next one in with this, which is number six, Will Bowling, uh, Morning Radio in Nashville SC. I think there are two things, maybe three things actually happening with Will Bowling and Ben Wright. Uh, number one, I think there is soccer tied to both of them. And soccer, I think, is tied to a younger audience. 
and tied to a more digital audience. Then you package in Ben and his entire existence is online and digital. Will is one of the first people that has taken a full-time radio show job in this market where the entire thing was also already digital, right? Like there was already cameras in his face. It was already being streamed on YouTube. It was already a podcast. Like, and he's obviously extremely young getting that job. I, I think I there say, are some... he, this is because he's five years old. <laughs> wow. That's mean spirited. <laughs> I just, I think there are some threads here that tie in soccer, digital audience and youth that all really overlap together. And I, I think that is why those two, and let's be honest, they're both wonderful guys. I think those two episodes being in our top six or seven, I, I think speaks to those three elements, if I had to guess. Yeah, and and I think that uh, both of them having uh, kind of Nashville SC or soccer sort of connections here goes to the 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 more digital nature of the of a soccer audience than than maybe some other maybe maybe some other uh, uh, sports here in town. I I think the Steve Lehman episode covering Demar Hamlin and sort of how it unfolded was one of I, again I think that was one of my favorites of the entire year. Again, not because of anything you or I did, but because of Steve. And because the topic was fascinating, an extremely difficult and complicated situation. Um, obviously, the tragedy at Covenant, I, I was, I don't know what the right word is. Pleased is not necessarily the right word to see that this one made it into our top five, but the number five episode covering Covenant, where we had the Tennessean's political and investigative editor, Dwayne Gang, on the show, as well as news director from News Channel 5, Sandy, Sandy Boonstra. Both of them came on kind of shorter interviews and sort of, laid out how digital and print handled covering covenant in real time. And then Sandy handled how the television market covers covenant in real time. And it's, it's not necessarily an easy listen, um, but I think it's really informative. And I, again, it's weird to say like, I'm pleased that it was in the top five, Steve, but do you kind of know what I'm getting at? Like I, I thought that yeah. was a really important conversation because of the two people we had on. And I thought they did a great job explaining how you activate a newsroom, both, video and print to try to cover something that is unfolding in real time the way the covenant shooting was um I, you know my bias here is that sandy is you know sandy is my partner in the sense that uh Nash, the national banner it has a partnership with news channel five uh that that our content appears on their air uh she one of the reasons why we wanted to partner with them is because is because sandy and her team uh are, are really smart people and sandy in particular is just one of the sharpest news people here in town and what what popped out in that interview uh was was just that and just kind of like the thoughtfulness and yet like the the but but the absolute speed that had to happen in order to cover that story as it was breaking and so uh it, it it'll be it will be uh I, that that story is still playing out in in certain ways uh, yeah. you know there's still a fight over um the shooters uh, writings and and whether or not there's public documents and channel five is there in there in the middle of it they, they um, are they are public documents um but but uh out of that conversation with Dwayne and sandy uh I, I i was i was kind of i was really pleased to kind of show like two smart people behind the scenes kind of thinking about the coverage as it was happening and kind of like what has to happen in order to make it successful yeah and i think it's not just even you know, you you obviously um, are are talking about sort of you know freedom of information and 
um, public records acts, which of course, I think it's state statute that says after an investigation is complete, every, all parts of that investigation are public records to all citizens and residents of the state of Tennessee. Uh, the covenant parents, of course, and, and understandably so in, intervened and the, it's still going through the court cases, uh, it's still working its way through the courts. Very dangerous precedents could be set in that particular situation, but it's not just that it's, I've already seen the covenant moms, sort of already calling to action for people to come back in January for the legislative session that's going to begin here soon. They're already activating their 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 base that was out there during the special session. So I this story is very much uh, unwritten and I think uh, or finished writ- being written, I guess. It was March 27th if I'm not correct was the yeah. shooting, I believe. Uh, that episode went up on March 31st and I don't know, very proud of of what we did on that episode, but more importantly, um super interesting Dwayne and, and Sandy just did a great job explaining in the date, literally like 48 hours later, we're explaining how that whole thing unfolded. So go back and check that one out. Um, all right, let's lighten the mood a bit here As and, argue, say, and, and if, argue if about if Will, number Will five Levis. And number four could not be more different. Yeah. Number, <laughs> let's argue about Will Levis, uh, because this is ultimately not only is number four, Mel Kiper grading versus mocking was our number four episode. Not only is Mel Kiper, I, I think a lar- one of the larger names that's, that's been on the show, but I think ultimately what I learned from that episode being so important, like it's it's all of the stories that make sports debate and conversation interesting, kind of coming into one place, it, which is the NFL draft, the quarterback position, and your hometown team. And the fact that he fell out of the first round, Will Levis, and the fact that Mel Kuyper had him graded in the top five, and then explaining the differences. Because what you had happen is the Titans drafted Will Levis, and you had a group of people that hated Will Levis and a group of people that loved Will Levis. And neither side had any idea if they were correct or not. Turns out that he's probably way closer to Mel Kuyper's analysis than than any of the people that hated him. But people wanted to know why. Why was Will Levis graded so highly and then fell? And then why did we trade up to get him, quote unquote, we as the Titans? And I think that episode with Mel Kuyper really, I thought, you know, right in the middle of May, a week after the draft, two weeks after the draft, like crystallized one of the most um, like organic football debates you could possibly have, which is a rookie quarterback in the NFL. Well, this is the second time Mel's been on the show. And, I, and the, the thing that I always get out of Mel uh, is for whatever, whatever your opinion of him may be over the years of, as a caricature or as, as, as whatever, uh, you know, you may, you may have a good opinion or a bad opinion, but, spend some time talking to him directly and it what you realize is it's not an uninformed opinion i mean this is this is someone who has spent as much as much time uh in the nfl draft over the years as anyone and who who has a depth of knowledge that is you know that makes him the target that he is and he and mel is a bit of a caricature but he's a really fun caricature and a really, really good guy. And I, yeah. and I really appreciate him coming on and, 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 and breaking down Levis. Uh, he he is a truly a genuinely really good person. And I think what's interesting, and I've had the opportunity to work with him a bunch and can say that from experience, but I, I again, I cannot, if we, you know, we talk to Jared Stillman all the time about what are the big stories, right? What's the big drama in Nashville sports, the the biggest, most important topics. I cannot think of a topic that hits more sports talk radio erogenous zones than a top five graded quarterback being drafted as the second pick of the of the second round because he fell, 
where the fan base is split and the evaluations are split and he's been drafted to be the future of your organization and there are no answers in in like the next 5 months. Yeah. Like that there's no there is no sports talk debate like Jordan versus LeBron doesn't hit the erogenous zones the way that one does. The only other one that's like number 2 is like should you fire the coach? Right? Like that's yeah. the only other yeah. one that's even close to the Will Levis debate. And Mel Kiper gave us a great reason why he graded him out so high was that he was he was hurt so much during the you know his final season at Kentucky like all the things that he said in that interview go back and listen are the things that you're seeing play out with Will Levis on the field so including the injury stuff but also the leadership and the toughness and the size and the arm talent and everything else go back and listen to that interview Mel Mel nailed it just so everybody knows nailed it uh, number three on the list uh, go to Jasper's by the way uh, Joe Rex Road this was we had him on twice and we talked to him. Uh, a little bit later on it, this year in the fall, but this was back in February, and it, he had just written a really long takeout piece about Jerry Stackhouse, and he was there the night that I think Vanderbilt hit like a game-winning shot to win a, a game, and he was talking about how to write, you know, these long stories, but also the fact that he's got to be at these <laughs> press conferences late at night and then be up early in the morning and on the radio, and how to value which topics and what is his priority list when he puts a show rundown together with Robbie for their show. Uh, so Rex wrote always a great conversation, but number three on the list, it was more about Jerry Stackhouse, his long form writing, and then radio and late nights and press conferences. And, uh, as much as it was covering the Titans, cause we've had him on talking about Vrabel as well, uh, in a later episode, but this was back in February. And I think a really interesting insight into how his brain works, but also how he delivers, you know, really long, thoughtful, laid out feature pieces. Uh, I really want to, uh, I, I have this. I have this set aside here, uh, this article bookmarked, um, because I want to go back and read it going into SEC season. Because I mean, Stackhouse is on the hot seat. I mean, they're they're four and eight coming out of they're four and eight coming out of the Christmas break. They're not particularly they're not particularly relevant uh, in SEC play. They played they played one close game uh, here the other night. Uh, I forget who it was. They somebody beat them at the buzzer. Uh, but, but they're not, they're, they're not going to be contenders for anything. And it's another season of that. And so I, I think that that perspective on Stackhouse is going to be really interesting going down the stretch as you, as you look at how Vanderbilt evaluates him and, and whether he's going to be the basketball coach next year. Yeah. I mean, there's so many dynamics at play and I think Rex Road captured a lot of that in that piece, yep. right? Like his relationship with players his relationship with the fans, his relationship with other coaches, his relationships with Twitter. Uh, just a lot of stuff was was captured in that piece. One of the better stories uh, of the year. So go back and check that one out. Number two on the list, Mike Herndon, engineering the Titans fan base. This is a guy who has since then uh, left the market, now lives in Texas, of course, lives in Austin. That's where he went to school, University of Texas. He was texting me this week, by the way. I'm not, I don't mean to call him out here, but he's like, why is there so many days between the Big 12 championship game and the college football playoff? I was like, welcome back to college football, Texas, because um, <laughs> Herndon's a big Longhorns fan. Uh, but it, it's interesting because he's an engineer by trade and has his own company. Really, really smart guy, very analytics by nature, driven by analytics. I mean, I don't know how else you can be an engineer other than physics and data. And that part of who he is, and then being very much online, you package the digital presence with the analytics vision. And I think he is a big reason why the Titans fan base has gotten smarter over the course of the last five or six years with the with with all the analytics information that he has brought to the table, along with 
his other co-host on football and other efforts, uh, Zach Lyons, of course, friend of the pod. Uh, I, I thought it was a really smart move by Kaharski to add uh, Herndon's uh, stuff to his site uh, when he did. Uh, and and that was that was part of that discussion uh, in there as well. It was um, it just kind of added it added an extra beat there that that I think uh, Paul cited Paul's that really benefited Paul's site. Um, but Mike's just you know Mike Mike no, Mike has a, a, as good a feel for uh, this team and kind of how they how they're playing and kind of reasoned ways of thinking about them. Um, you know, when I'm screaming and throwing things at a television, uh, uh, and, 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 and I usually, I usually tend to look at Mike's Twitter feed during the games because, uh, <laughs> it, it is, it is, it is one of the, the more level headed ways of, of thinking about, uh, of thinking about this franchise. All right. Speaking of number one on the list. Yeah. I think Herndon's writing and his, number one in your hearts. Yeah. Uh, I think Herndon's kindness and affability is a really nice blend with Paul Karski's website. <laughs> uh, because number one on the list, Paul Karski. Uh, and this was back January 27th. And I went back and checked the dates. December 6th, I believe, is when John Robinson was fired. So the first week of December, uh, following the Eagles game, uh, where A.J. Brown went off and Amy Adams Strunk was like dog cussed in the, in the booth in Philly. And then January 18th, is when Rand Carthon was hired. I believe the introductory press conference was January 20th. I was there for that. And Paul then sat down with us the next week. After about 10 days of Rand Carthon being on the job and sort of introducing himself to the press corps and having the introductory press conference, and after writers have time to sort of do background work and do do research to dig into this new, this new person that is a part of this, after what amounts to, I think, a much shorter search than people would remember. It felt like it was taking forever because it was done so early in the season. But it was really only about five five weeks or so, and Karski came on, and the number one episode by a fairly large margin, actually, um, the number one episode of the year, Paul Karski ran Carthon versus John Robinson, and he laid out in detail why Robinson was fired and what the differences were with Rand Carthon just a week onto the job. The w- one of the one of the sort of mysteries to me uh, in the Titans' success here over the last. Uh, over the last few years is is just that is John is sort of around John Robinson and that kind of kind of cult of personality. I mean, people, people, because he, because he had Tennessee ties and because he was, uh, he was tied to some like immediate success uh, that, that the franchise had, you know, I, I think one of the things that that people didn't understand uh was how how somebody like uh so how somebody like him gets axed before a season is over uh and, and not the coach and uh having Kaharski in to kind of talk about that and to talk about uh Carthon and sort of like his initial impressions there's there's nobody with a kind of like a deeper sort of like more longitudinal view of the franchise than Kaharski um and I think that it, the thing that I loved about that episode was that you had, uh, you you really had kind of uh, the one of the one of the few people who had the ability to 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 do the analysis and comparison yep. on those two, uh, kind of as it was happening. Yeah, uh, and I think very, I think polar opposite personality types. And um, I, I'm going to put you on the spot here. 
because I'm going to use that conversation. And special thanks to everybody who joined us this year. I mean, so many of you great writers, reporters, TV hosts, uh, media people, digital folks. We're going to try to do an even better job this year of getting even a broader set of folks to come on. Uh, but special thanks to everybody who joined us, and and those are our top ten for the year. Um, I'm done gazing at my navel. Uh, go to Jasper's, of course. Everybody sign up for good reporting at NashvilleBanner.com. I do want to ask you this time next year. I've I've got a list, so I prepared for this. You're not because I didn't ask you to. I'd love to know what you think could be the the big tentpole stories in Nashville sports that we are talking about at the end of next season as we look back and go. And I'm not so we're not making predictions here, but I just want to get your general sense of because I, I can I can rattle off my list to get you going if you want me to start. Sure. So number one on my list is Rand's second offseason and how that pairs with Mike Vrabel. So the draft, his second draft, his second run at free agency. Uh, I think that second offseason is going to be a, I think the draft is going to be a huge factor because now it feels like Will Levis is the guy. Vrabel's going to come into the season with something to prove. But this is sort of on Rand Carthon here this offseason to give Rabel better ingredients and sort of through all the weird ins and outs and let's just call them bumpy relationship building that's happening behind the closed doors of the Titans with Rand and Mike and the whole entire organization. It it, it all evens out real fast if Rand Carthon does an excellent job in the second second offseason like he did last year with some solid free agent signings and a really good draft class. That's I think that's number one. Um, big events. Coming to Nashville, we talked about this last week with Scott Ramsey. What big events are are there? Any are we getting any whispers, any words, anything looming, anything lingering about what big events could come to town? I don't think we're going to get any of that in twenty twenty four. I don't think but, so either. But they start to make those announcements four or five years in advance, so we'll we'll, we'll just keep an eye on that. Uh, Gary Smith's future for Nashville SC, I think, is the biggest storyline for Nashville SC. He could he could absolutely put all of that to rest and finish as a top three team in the Eastern conference. And there's no concern. There's no conversation, but if they miss the playoffs or, or don't host Lionel Messi in a leaks cup final <laughs> again, I, I think if you're a soccer fan, the biggest story is like, is this the right guy for our future? And right now I think he absolutely is, but what is the story this year in for Nashville SC? I think that's an interesting one there. Any thoughts? Uh, it's a very open question. Uh, the, the CONCACAF Champions League kind of gives him an interesting sort of out um, because it comes early. Uh, it comes at a time that he's going to have to. I mean, they play their first CCL game before uh, before they play their first league game. So they're going to have to they're going to have to be ready to go uh, here in in mid-February. Um, I, I, you know. I, we're seeing the limits of Gary Ball. and. It is going to be it. It is first time I've ever heard you. That's first time I've ever heard you say that out loud. Well, I mean, you you saw it this year, uh, and they just did that. They did not have any punch. If if they don't score more goals, there's going to be a change that's made. That that guy who scores twenty plus goals in in Europe needs to score goals in in MLS. Sam Surridge. Yeah, that's all I'm saying. He needs to score. Uh, and he's had, he's had a full off season now, so yeah, or, he, or he will uh, by the time you're by the time the season rolls around. Okay, I've got one big one that's kind of off the board a little bit here. Okay, I think I think one of the main stories potentially that dominates Nashville in probably in the fall of next year, maybe in the off season as well, is Lane Kiffin. I think Lane Kiffin and and b- barring a Nick Saban retirement 
or a Bill Belichick trade, you know, like Mike Vrabel getting fired. There's not, I, I think Lane Kiffin in the college sports world, the football world is going to be as big a story as it gets. They are loading up to try to win in 2024 to go to the playoff. Uh, if, if there's job openings, he's going to be a part of that conversation. And, and, and in a broader sense, it's the college football playoff expanding and the SEC changing in July when July 1st, when all the new teams change leagues. So there's going to be a lot of conversation. That's going to be a big story. What does the college football playoff expanding look like? Does that mean Tennessee has an option to get in? Are there other teams in the SEC that can get in? But I think the head, the tip of that spear of the expansion conversation and NIL and portal and new rules and a breakaway and all the things that could happen to college football, I think Lane Kiffin will be at the tip of the spear of all of those conversations in 2024. Kiffin's an interesting way to kind of view that, the to kind of view all of that. I, I think the playoffs. So I've, I've been sitting here writing down my list as as you're doing this, and I've got I've got the college football playoff as the number one story next year. I, I, I think that I, I think it will absolutely change the way that that we think about coaches on hot seats. I think it'll change the way that we think about uh, success among programs, uh, and and I think it will. Unfortunately, I, I think it's going to. We're going to see the we're going to see this first incarnation, and then we're going to realize, oh, twelve teams is just not that many. And by the way, it does not let in. It does not let in sort of like any of the underdogs, uh, un, unlike the NCAA tournament. Well, this is this is again. You just said every single thing as to why Lane Kiffin, because yeah. who is the SEC team that could be the underdog that could get in? Who is the guy who's got these former ties to the state that everyone's obsessed with? Who's the guy that trolls on social media? Who's the guy using the portal and free agency to try to win now with checks from boosters to try to take advantage of the 12-team playoff expanding? It's not Nico and Josh Heupel in Tennessee. They, They could be good enough, and if they are, that's a huge story, and that will dominate. I don't think Tennessee will be good enough to be 11-1. and or 10 and two. I think Ole Miss could be good enough and Lane Kiffin will capture all of our imaginations. If they are in fact good enough with a returning quarterback, a returning star running back, all their pieces back, their coaching staff back, they're dominating the portal. They're recruiting a top 20 class. They've got an easier schedule. I just think um, you heard it here first folks. Uh, It is setting up for Lane Kiffin to dominate the headlines through the lens. Like it's the college football playoff expansion story through the lens of Lane Kiffin which is like catnip to every sports fan in Tennessee. I think that, uh, I, I agree with you. I think that it's going to be the number one. I, I just think it's going to be the number one story. Yeah, here. I agree. Yeah. I, and I think it all, it all can, like if I, if you, if you were my editor and I was pitching you a, like a story about the, the college football playoff, like, no, we're going to do it through the lens and through the eyes and through the, the, the study of Ole Miss football, like, and Lane Kiffin, you cannot get a better foil and a better main no, character not at all. than Lane Kiffin. Not, not at all. Um, all right. Okay. What else you got? All right. So, I, I, I mean, I think college football is going to be number one. Predators uh, make I, the playoff. Could the Predators make the playoffs? The predators could make the playoffs. Yeah. Um, I, I'll be interested to see what what fans' reactions are to Predators making the playoffs, and kind of like, is this excitement? Is this? Oh, hey, look, we're back where we should, where we're supposed to be. Because uh, those are two different emotions. Yeah. Yeah. Um. I think I think there I think there's they're ahead of schedule if they do and there's reason to be excited if they do. I, so. I think I think that they still need one more person on this team. Oh sure. That 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 fans kind of coalesce around that they get really excited about. 
before they're before oh, I think, this, this team becomes a sensation. I think they need like three more, but I, I think the fact that the system might be working and the coaching is working and the young players develop, that's the that's a that's a part of the process of getting back to that place. So that then when one of these young guys turns into that star, well, they just slide into a team that's already overachieving, right? Yeah. And yeah. I think I, I think that's that's the story for for them. I, I think fans should be excited if that happens. Uh, and I think they will be. Um how about I, I can only hope and pray that Tennessee volunteer baseball and Vanderbilt baseball are so so good again that they hate each other. I love that. I love everything about it. That that was fun, but I mean that's you can't you kind of can't can't you kind of can't bet on that. No. Um the the no I think the number two the story of next year will be the Titans because you're going to have Levis after a full off season. You're going to have whatever you know whatever roster restocking is going to happen. There's going to be big changes to this roster, particularly yeah. if Derrick Henry is not here next year. You know, it's going to be a it's going to be perceived as a completely different team. Yep. And so I, I think there's going to be a lot of interest around that. And then the the number three thing I think is baseball. Uh, oh, stop it! Yeah. What what heel turn on the last episode of the year in the last <laughs> five minutes? What? <laughs> Because it's an actual story now. What are you talking about? Because uh, because I think that uh, there will be an actual capital B billionaire. Oh that my comes god! Forward, holy fucking shit! Uh, to 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 be part of to be part of some expansion bid and completely uh, and completely dust the Nashville Stars uh, and and their kind of, kind of their operation. Hmm. Completely uh, ghost them. Uh, I, there's no other we cannot I had so many other topics I wanted to mention and now they're not worth it <laughs> <laughs> I just think I, I think that the we're going to see the implosion of the of the stars as a, a as some sort of baseball uh, well, uh, that, vehicle. vehicle that would have required them to have been a vehicle in the first place well, uh, there's that you can hear me feigning my surprise. <laughs> by, by the way, very much so. <laughs> oh, stick with us, folks. This is why you stick all the way to the end, even during the holiday episodes, because you get nuggets like that. And Steve Cavendish reporting baseball coming to Nashville. <laughs> that is not what I said. That is not what I said. You want you want to go ahead and give us the name of the billionaire? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I do not. Um, Oh, yeah. God. Stay tuned. Stay tuned, folks. Stay tuned. Stay all the way to the end and go to Jasper's. For Steve Cavendish, I am Braden Gall. Happy holidays, everybody. SEC, SEC, Bama versus Texas in the national championship. Have a great weekend. We'll talk to you next God year. God help us all. <laughs>